Good morning. As most of you know, I'm not the regular preacher here. First of all, I'd like to thank whoever it was that signed me up for this in January. I have a theory on who that was. Another thing I've learned is when you're up here speaking, don't focus on Glenn Price. He gives you a lot of funny looks like he just said something crazy. So I've learned to avoid that. With that said, the title of my sermon today is going to be Bad Decisions. We've all made bad decisions in our lives, whether it be with career choices, financial, decisions on how we should go about doing our jobs, our work. We even make bad decisions when driving our cars. I'm sure most of you remember when the Hatfield boys first got their licenses. <laughs> even right down to choosing our clothes or the food we eat every day, sometimes a bad decision can lead to a minor discomfort or an inconvenience to a major catastrophe with lifelong consequences. While there are several famous bad decisions that are notable throughout history, one example is the story of the airship, the Hindenburg. Some of the older people might remember it, probably not any of the younger people. By the mid-1930s, rigid airships, commonly known as Zeppelins, had been flying commercial passengers for over 30 years. Tens of thousands of paying passengers had flown over a million miles in over 2,000 flights without a single injury. Zeppelin's popularity was soaring, and it was widely assumed that they were the wave of the future. The latest milestone was that of Germany's Zeppelin company, whose giant airships flew passengers across the Atlantic in luxury and style in a mere 60 hours. Remarkable for co commercial travel back then. Many predicted that airships would dominate global travel. Then catastrophe struck the Hindenburg. The Zeppelin company's flagship and its biggest airship ever built, twice as high and three times as long as the Boeing 747 jumbo jet, on May 6, 1937, after an uneventful transatlantic flight, the Hindenburg tried to dock with a mooring mast in Lakehurst, New Jersey, when it suddenly erupted into flames. It took only 37 seconds from when the first spark appeared for the world's biggest airship to get destroyed by fire. Of 97 people on board, 35 died, and another person died on the ground. The spectacular disaster, captured on film and widely disseminated around the world, shattered public confidence in that mode of transport and brought the airship era to an abrupt end. Some people thought it was a deliberate shot made against the Nazis, and other people just accepted that it was an accidental spark. But either way, the disaster would not have happened if not for the Zeppelin Company's disastrous decision to fill its airships with highly flammable hydrogen instead of a less combustible alternative such as helium. If the Hindenburg had used helium as airships do today, then neither a spark nor a shot could have reduced it to a flaming wreck in less than a minute. <clears throat> While making mistakes in everyday life can be bad, making bad decisions that impact our souls and a future home in heaven is far worse. One doesn't have to look very far to find an example of someone making a bad decision in the Bible. Without even leaving Genesis, we can find a multitude of examples. This morning, I'm going to focus on four such examples, examples of this, of people making bad decisions. At the end of chapter 1 in Genesis, when God finished the creation and looked upon it and saw that it was good, but two chapters later, man started to change that, and a bad decision and sin crept into the picture. If you will, turn over to Genesis 3. I'm going to read verses 1 through 6 there. 
beginning in verse 1. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of the fruit and ate. She also gave it to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both them that were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. Eve knew what God had said about the tree. At this point, she had a choice to make and was teetering on the edge of doing what was right and what God had said or believing Satan. But she gave in to the devil's cunning words and gave in to temptation and sin's allurement. Because of this, we know what the outcome was. Just like when we often, we often do when we mess up, Adam and Eve started to make excuses for what they had done in verses 12 and 13. There in verse 12 it says, Then the man said, The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I ate. And the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? And the woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. But of course, excuses don't work, and they still had consequences to pay. We can finish reading this account in Genesis uh, 3, verses 16 through 19, and then finally in verses 23 and 24. 16, it says, To the woman he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. Then to Adam he said, Because you have heeded the voice of your wife, and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat of it, cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life, both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth upon you. And you shall eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you shall return. And in verse 23, therefore the Lord God sent him out of the garden of Eden to till the ground from which he was taken. So he drove out the man, and he placed cherubim at the east of the garden of Eden, and a flaming sword which turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. Just like Adam and Eve, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 3:23. After Adam and Eve sinned, did man stop and think, and this sin stuff is serious business. No, we're still doing it 6,000 years later. In the very next chapter, we read about the story of Cain and Abel in a series of poor decisions. If you turn to chapter 4, I'll start reading there in verse 3. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. We don't know 100% why God rejected Cain's offering. We can speculate Abel wanted to give of the best that he had and was happy to do it. Cain's heart wasn't right, and even if he was giving the best of his crops, he didn't want to give it, or maybe he was just giving of the poorest quality of his crops that he had. God tried to counsel Cain and spoke to him personally. In verse 6 and 7, there it says in verse 6, So the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? And why is your countenance fallen? 
If you do not do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door, and its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. Same thing for us today in John 14, 15, where we are told, if we love God, we will keep his commandments. Cain could have changed and repented and sought to do right, but instead of examining himself and making the necessary correction, he came to the conclusion that his brother was the problem. For some reason, he thought that by getting rid of Abel, he would solve his problem. In verses 8 through 16, we see the decision Cain made to murder his brother and the consequences of it. Now Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel, your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. So now you're cursed from the earth, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you till the ground, it shall no longer yield its strength to you. A fugitive and a vagabond you shall be on the earth. And Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Surely you have driven me out this day from the face of the ground. I shall be hidden from your face. I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond on the earth. And it will happen that anyone who finds me will kill me. And the Lord said to him, Therefore, whoever kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark on Cain, lest anyone finding him should kill him. Then Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod, the east of Eden. No matter how hard Cain worked from here on, the ground would be cursed, and he would always be a wanderer and a vagabond. In life, sometimes the consequences of our actions aren't always immediate. And sometimes it may appear as though there are no consequences at all. But there are always consequences when we transgress God's law. <clears throat> We turn over to Genesis 16. There we will find out the account about Sarah and Hagar. Sarah was frustrated and impatient about not having any children, so she thought it would be a good idea for Abraham to have a child with her maidservant, Hagar. It was customary back then for whatever the servant had was actually the master's. So Sarah could technically have a child through her servant. So Abraham listened to his wife and had a child with Hagar. <clears throat> We read about this account there in Genesis 16. In verse 1 through 4, starting in verse 1. Now Sarah, Abraham's wife, had borne him no children, and she had an Egyptian maidservant whose name was Hagar. So Sarah said to Abram, See now the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. Please go into my maid. Perhaps I shall obtain children by her. And Abram heeded the voice of Sarah. Then Sarah, Abraham's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, and gave her to her husband Abram to be his wife, after Abram had dwelt ten years in the land of Canaan. So he went into Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress became despised in her eyes. As we can see, it turned out to be a bad decision on Sarah's part. In reality, it didn't work out well for Sarah. She rushed God's plan and implemented her own because she thought she knew better. Isn't that just like us sometimes? We think God isn't moving fast enough, or we think that we know better what we need than God. Tensions rose between Sarah and Hagar while Hagar was pregnant. Hagar looked down on Sarah and took advantage of her newly exalted position as mother to Abraham's child. In return, Sarah treated Hagar so badly that she fled, but God ended up sending her back. In, verses five, in verse 5 there, Then Sarah said to Abraham, my wrong be upon you. I gave my maid into your embrace, and when she saw that she had conceived, I became despised in her eyes. 
The Lord judged between you and me. So Abram said to Sarai, Indeed, your maid is in your hand. Do to her as you please. And when Sarah dealt harshly with her, she fled from her presence. Fourteen years later, Isaac was born to Sarah. Not long afterward, Sarah observed Hagar's child Ishmael mocking young Isaac, Sarah's son. This offense so displeased Sarah that she persuaded Abraham to expel Hagar and Ishmael permanently. Uh, there in uh, Genesis 21, starting in verse 8, there it says, So the child grew and was weaned, and Abraham made a great feast on the same day that Isaac was weaned. And Sarah saw the son of Hagar the Egyptian, whom she had born to Abraham, scoffing. Therefore she said to Abraham, Cast out this bondwoman and her son, for the son of this bondwoman shall not be heir with my son, namely Isaac. And the matter was very displeasing in Abraham's sight because of his son. But God said to Abraham, Do not let it be displeasing in your sight because of the lad or because of your bondwoman. Whatever Sarah has said to you, listen to her voice. For in Isaac your seed shall be called, yet I will also make a nation of the son of the bondwoman, because he is your seed. So Abraham rose early in the morning and took bread and a skin of water, and putting it on her shoulder, he gave it and the boy to Hagar and sent her away. Then she departed and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. One hasty decision to give her servant to Abraham cost Sarah years of strife with Hagar and Abraham. And of course, I'm sure Abraham was caused much grief in the process with the contention between the two women. <clears throat> Later in Genesis, I come to my final example of a guy making a bad decision. In chapter 25, we can read of a bad decision made by Esau. I'll begin with a little background of Jacob and Esau and start reading there in verse 21 and read through 28. Now Isaac pleaded with the Lord for his wife because she was barren, and the Lord granted his plea, and Rebekah his wife conceived, but the children struggled together within her, and she said, If all is well, why am I like this? So she went to inquire of the Lord, and the Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb, two peoples shall be separated from your body. One people shall be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. So when her days were fulfilled for her to give birth, indeed, there were twins in her womb. And the first came out red. He was like a hairy garment all over, so they called his name Esau. Afterward, his brother came out, and his hand took hold of Esau's heel, so his name was called Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when she bore them. So the boys grew, and Esau was a skilled hunter, a man of the field, but Jacob was a mild man dwelling in tents. And Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game, but Rebekah <coughs> loved Jacob. So it was foretold by God that the older would serve the younger and that one nation would be stronger than the other. Well, how did that come to be? Because of a hasty, poor decision made by Esau. Starting there in verse 29 through 34, it says, Now Jacob cooked a stew, and Esau came in from the field, and he was weary. And Esau said to Jacob, Please feed me with that same red stew, for I am weary. Therefore, his name was called Edom. But Jacob said, Sell me your birthright as of this day. And Esau said, Look, I'm about to die, so what is this birthright to me? Then Jacob said, Swear to me as of this day. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. And Jacob gave Esau bread and stew of lentils. Then he ate and drank and arose and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. The birthright belonged to the oldest son and included many important rights, responsibilities, 
and the inheritance one would receive by being the oldest son. The covenant made between Abraham and the Lord would have been passed on to Esau. Jacob knew the value of the birthright. He saw that his brother did not value the importance of it. Esau could have easily told his brother, no deal. Esau could have gone to Rebekah, his mother, to see if she would prepare something for him. He did not. Instead, on the spur of the moment, he traded the most valuable thing he owned on the earth for a bowl of beans. Esau made this bad decision at an early age, but he could have learned from his mistake and went on to serve God. But we know from Scripture that he married women from pagan nations and was described as an example of godlessness. In Hebrews 12, verses 16 and 17, there it says of him, starting in verse 16, lest there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau who for a morsel of food sold his birthright. For you know that afterward, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place for repentance, though he sought it diligently with tears. We learn from Esau's life that he focused more on earthly things than on things of God. When we face decisions in our lives and come to a crossroads where we can either choose right or wrong, we need to consider man's way is usually wrong and man's ideas are usually wrong. There's a few verses that back up this. In Jeremiah 10, verse 23, there it says, O Lord, I know the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man who walks to direct his own steps. In Proverbs 14, 12, there it says, There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. Proverbs 16, 25, there is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. One final one there, Isaiah 55, 9. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. No doubt we will continue to make mistakes throughout all of our lives, but we must remember what we were put on this earth for. Ecclesiastes 12, 13. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is man's all. If we respect God and seek to follow his commandments rather than our own foolish ways, we can eliminate a lot of our mistakes and be pleasing to God. If you're here today and you've never made the decision to follow Christ, you have that opportunity today, and there is no better time to do that than today. There's no decision in your life that will be as important as the one that impacts where you will spend, your, where your soul will spend an eternity. Maybe you're a Christian here today and made a lot of decisions in your life that have led you down the wrong path. Well, you have that opportunity this morning to make that right as well. Whatever your need may be, come while we stand and sing the song of invitation.